The lending landscape has shifted dramatically over the last two months. Customers and new business prospects who once had impeccable financials may now look like a risky bet. What does this mean for credit scoring and how can lenders be vigilant when it comes to risk? I'm Rita Garwood, Editor-in-Chief of The Monitor. Joining me to dive into these questions today are Bob Rinaldi, President of Rinaldi Advisory Services, Bill Phelan, SVP and General Manager of Paynet, an Equifax company, and Amanda Hull, Senior Data Scientist at Paynet, an Equifax company. Before we begin, I would like to thank today's podcast sponsor, IDS Asset Finance Technology. In these unchartered times, the last thing you need to worry about is the management of your front and back office systems. IDS Cloud was designed to take the worry out of system management and let you focus on building your business. IDS Cloud is a 100% scalable software as a solution, software as a service solution that allows you to pay only for what you use. All you need is an internet connection to have access to the equipment finance industry's leading origination and portfolio management solution. For more information, please click on the banner below. So today's podcast is going to be a little different. We know everyone out there has a lot of questions when it comes to today's topic. And given the fact that I'm a writer, not a lender, Bob has graciously offered to take the interviewing reins today so we can get the most out of our time with Bill and Amanda. So Bob, Thank you so much for doing this. The floor hey. is yours. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome, Rita. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Amanda uh, and Bill. Really a pleasure to have you join us. Great to be here, Bob. Thanks for having us. You know, uh, you're probably the hottest topic. I, I talk with a lot of industry uh, execs uh, on a very frequent basis, more so now than during the COVID crisis. So the, you know, this is what everybody wants to talk about. And, you know, I'd like to kind of kick it off real quick with an observation, and I'm curious if you're seeing the same thing of the observations. Everyone expected April of 2020 to be a complete bust in terms of new booking volume, so much so that they took all the sales representatives and reassigned them to handling uh, rewrites and uh, extensions. But the reality is, is that what came across through the month of April is most of the general lessors and especially in the small ticket, small business vendor space, we're only off between 30 and 50% uh, of application volume with probably a 40%, 30% or something like that app approval to booking. So there might be a lot of looky-loos going on where vendors are trying to generate business, but there actually is real deals going on. What is the PayNet database showing as far as activity for April? Yeah, well, uh, that's a great question, Bob, because there's so much uncertainty going on right now. And, um, you know, the issue is, you know, how much has business investment been impacted by COVID? And we can certainly see in the numbers, um, the March numbers on GDP down 4.8%, that that's going to have a pretty big impact and dampening effect on business investment in March. And then we don't even haven't seen the April numbers yet. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're forecasting and I think everybody, econ economists are forecasting a fairly dramatic drop off in GDP uh, in April. Um, you know, you mentioned, Bob, those numbers of 30 to 50 percent down in origination. And um, while it's I guess you said it's surprising that it's not down more. And I guess I would agree with you. And I, I think what's interesting about the numbers that when, when we d dive deep into the data, what we see is that there's a tiering effect going on, a tiering effect by size and type of, of equipment finance company. And what I mean by that is, you know, the big companies 
um, have not, I think, seen as much of a, a, a decrease as some of the smaller companies. And that really does make a lot of sense. You know, the um, access to capital always during times like this is a big issue for all for businesses uh, and for uh, particularly the smaller lenders. And so um, there's a tiering effect going on. Um, there's also a tiering effect going on among other areas of the business credit market that uh, rely on external sources of capital. Um, and so number of different factors um, overall, yeah, the numbers down in that 25% uh, range overall, but um, you know, there really is a, a kind of a tale of different cities here based on you know, the size of the companies, the lenders, their access to capital, based on the markets they're in. Uh, we also know certain industries are hit harder than others, Bob. So um, it's, um, you know, it really depends on which market you're looking at and which companies and the size of those companies that are uh, being impacted more dramatically by COVID. Of course, everybody's being impacted dramatically and nobody anticipated this, but um, we are seeing varying impacts on, on uh, the different parts of the industry, which is a very large indus industry, as you know. Um, our latest uh, statistics are coming out on the trends for um, the Small Business Lending Index, and that is uh, also showing a larger decrease in the year-over-year uh, -year, uh, originations volume, and it really is starting to look a lot like 0809 in terms of its impact. So uh, we can kind of benchmark against that previous, that great recession that occurred then. Um, I think the only difference here is just the absolute, you know, speed of this, uh, of this uh, kind of sea change that's occurred in business credit. And um, it certainly is uh, something that nobody anticipated, hit us quickly. And I guess one of the big questions is how this will recover um, and what that recovery will look like. You know, uh, I guess it's fair game since you brought it up. So I guess I'll put you on the spot. And if you were to make a prediction, everybody knows what the default rate in the small ticket, small business, vendor program business looked like in 2008 and nine. Do you project this time around the same, worse, or something less? How's you know, that, what's how's that for putting you on the spot? <laughs> That's great, Bob. Thank you very much for that. And I'm glad I... I'm glad I, uh, I teed that one up, but um, I'm glad to address it too because it's the big unknown that's out there. You know, how deep is the water here? How, uh, you know, how much will this, you know, impact Main Street America? And there's just so many mitigants going on right now. There's the the Paycheck Protection Program as a way to help small, medium-sized private companies that are big users of equipment finance capital to um, survive and keep their doors at least intact during these, these times. Uh, you know, we're gonna see upwards of you know, 400 and plus billion dollars of capital get pumped into the system pretty quickly uh, to keep the paychecks in place. So, so what's your answer? I think, I think that's a good, good step <laughs> um, forward. And um, so running, Running scenarios is tough right now, and uh, certainly if when we were run... to just guess, if you were to yeah. just guess, your gut feel or Amanda's gut feel, does it feel like it'll be the same, worse, or better? Yeah, I think that uh, what we see in the data is that with GDP much more dramatically hit, that we'll probably see default rates uh, in in the same or potentially even higher than what we saw uh, during the Great Recession. During that time, we saw default rates 
reach about 6% roughly. Right. Uh, and as we run scenarios now, we're certainly seeing default rates in the 5% easily with the current GDP impact um, and with interest rates falling uh, and unemployment rising. Um, and certainly we know that the uh, impact on GDP will be much greater this time around. Right. And that uh, that will most likely, although we don't know for sure, translate into default rates that will be very severe. Gotcha. All right. Thank you so much for that. In preparing for this uh, interview with you and this podcast, I reached out to uh, several uh, key figures in our industry. Uh, and I'll thank them. Greg Sting from Marlin. Tom Depping from Ascentium, Miles Herman from Leaf, and Paul Fogel from Quality Leasing Company. Kind of a whole range of lenders uh, in the vendor small ticket business. And so they've, I've asked them if they had to ask a question of you, what would it be? So without attributing any one question to any one of them, just to protect everybody, I'll, I'll just pick some questions for you. So the first question is, how does Paynet view the credit scoring or credit scoring in general in the current environment given the shifts that have occurred economically and the dramatic shift. And the second follow on is how would you advise users to adjust uh, from the far from normal environment that we are going to see our, we are in and we'll see for the rest of the year. Great question, Bob. And I'm going to turn that to my colleague, Amanda, who's far more qualified to address that kind of uh, question. Absolutely. Um, so PayNet scores um, are our latest and greatest at Paynet is called Master Score V2. And Master Score V2, um, just like any traditional credit score, takes into account, you know, uh, increased delinquency reporting that might be coming in. So we expect scores to start going down. They already have started going down due to some increased delinquency reporting from our members. But unlike some traditional credit scores, Master Score V2 also takes in some economic data. So it's going to react to that as well. So there's kind of a double punch that's going to happen to Master Score V2 that may not happen to more traditional scores due to those economic factors. Um, so what we're expecting and what we're already starting to see is that scores are going to be going down. Um, looking at the Great Recession, um, which you know is obviously not the same situation as what we have here, but it's the most recent uh, example that we have. In the Great Recession, on average, uh, master score V2 values were lower by about 20 points at the worst point of the recession compared to the peak of the recovery. So that's how much shift we would have seen in the last recession. I would guess, you know, based on what Bill was saying earlier and then my own thoughts, I, I expect the shift to be greater than it was in the Great Recession, or at least for the shift to be more immediate. Even maybe it won't be greater, but it'll be much more uh, quickly felt than it was in the Great Recession. Um, the other thing that we expect to happen with our scores, and this would happen, of course, with any traditional credit score, is um, something where uh, your default rates that you expect at a given score level um, are not going to stay the same. Any good credit score rank orders risk in any economic situation, but you can't expect a given score value to mean the same thing in terms of default risk at different points in the cycle. So again, gonna go back to the Great Recession because it's the last one that we have uh, to compare to. Um, at that point, we saw at the worst point in the Great Recession, looking at the performance of Master Score V2 against default rates, um, we had at a given score level, 
default rates were anywhere from one and a half to two times on average higher than default rates in the recovery. Um, so it could as much as be double the default rate that you would expect in more recent times. Um, again, the situation seems like it may end up being much more severe um, or at least more immediate. So it's probably going to be as bad or worse than that. So, um, you know, if you feel like you know what a score 650 means, you might need to adjust what you think it means now. Um, you're you're going to be bringing in a higher level of risk at that score level than you would have been bringing in um, two years ago or a year ago. Okay. And so you mentioned um, that the master score V2 takes yeah. in the economic uh, cycles or what's going on. Would mm -hmm. the current master scores, is it, is it changing dynamically based on the economic conditions changing dynamically? Um, is, in other words, are the scores coming out today? Are they already taking into account the economic conditions, GDP declining for right now? Or we need to adjust the probability default, like you said, based on what the scores are today? So the scores uh, bring in, there, there's particular variables that are coming in. GDP is not one of them. Uh, that's used in our absolute probability of default model, but it's not used for master score V2. We do use unemployment rate, which as we all know is shooting through the roof. Um, and we also use the, the other biggest uh, economic suite of variables in master score V2 is um, related to paynet indices. Um, we, we have a delinquency index, small business delinquency index that we produce at Paynet, and we use some offshoots of that index to incorporate into master score V2 to, to try to incorporate um, general industry-wide delinquency trends. Um, so it's kind of coming from those two places primarily. So to the extent that those variables are starting to shoot up, that's already coming into play um, in master score V2. It's going to continue to get, you know, those numbers will grow uh, over the next couple of months. So it's kind of a gradual month-to-month uh, -month change in those numbers. So it's, it's already happening, but it's not done happening yet, uh, for sure. So to reiterate, you said uh, in the worst case of the last recession, the same score would, a given score would be, you said one and a half times the default rate. Is, did I get that right? One and a half to two times. Yeah. One and a half to two times, okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So I guess that answers the question, the second part of that question, which is has to do with how would you advise users to adjust the far from normal environment? So perfect. Thank you very much. Excellent answer. Uh, that absolutely You're is going to help, going to help everyone. So I'm going to go on to another question and you brought it up. Absolute probability default APD, another one of your products, which I think is absolutely invaluable if you're managing any kind of portfolio. Um, if you're not using it, you should ask about it. Uh, and you're a client of, of Paynet's, truly nothing like it. But the question has to do with um, the, the APD scores. Do the APD scores now already incorporate any COVID-related forbearance information, or is that something we need to consider separately? So for example, if a payment stream coming in in the data tape from one of your customers it says this particular client is paying $100 a month, for 36 months, but all of a sudden that has changed to zero for three more months. Is there just an assumption that a forbearance or a uh, extension was done or how, how can you talk to that at all, if you can? Yeah, Bob, I think uh, uh, first to start off with, um, 
you know, we really view this as like a, akin to a natural disaster, right? And, you know, we've seen this before. Katrina was certainly a natural disaster, certainly on a regional scale. We saw what happened to the local economic business credit market in that region at the time through the, the indices and the default rates and the delinquencies. And, you know, certainly though, uh, COVID was never even a, kind of a coin term before you know, three or four months ago, really. Uh, and so uh, the ability to factor in COVID, I think, wasn't on anybody's minds. However, you know, natural disaster is something that has occurred before. And we can think of this in those terms that, you know, in those cases where forbearance occurs and, you know, lenders decide to um, restructure or, or to, um, you know, provide uh, forbearance in their lending instruments to their clients that, you know, it feeds through as reporting uh, based on its normal kind of uh, function in, in, uh, in reporting on, on the information. So what I mean by that is that the information just comes right through, it gets factored right into the analytics and it gets reflected in the analytics as would uh, kind of loan payments uh, normally do in kind of normal times. And um, so we would think that, you know, while we've never been through this before, but uh, we think that forbearance uh, will, uh, it, there is no factor per se in absolute PD for forbearance in a COVID world. Uh, we have seen uh, restructures in the past and those typically just flow through the model as they would normally uh, with other payments and uh, reflect uh, just normally as a, uh, you know, a, an impact from a, a local, you know, economic condition that may or may not occur. So, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that's kind of the layman's explanation, Bob. Uh, Amanda, do you have any kind of more technical kind of view on that? Uh, no, it, not really. I, but I did want to add that the same thing applies to our credit scores and any other, you know, products at PayNet that any forbearance information that's coming through, we just treat it the way it's reported to us. So lenders who are not doing forbearance and are, are letting those accounts go delinquent, they're going to show up as delinquent in on the credit report. They're going to show up as delinquent in the score and on, in an APD. But if it's not going to be listed as delinquent due to lender action, then it will not uh, look delinquent in the scores or the models either. Well, there's two things then that are important to what you both of you just said. So, um, Amanda, the APD score, um, would it be best to, to the same bit of advice on the APD scores uh, as you gave on the master lease V2 scores relative to the one and a half to two times, that, you know, the uh, probably wow. default? So APD uh, in, in, is one of the dif one of the biggest differences between APD and the Master Score V2 is that APD actually gives you an exact default rate number, right. but Master Score V2 does not. So right. um, I, I, it's a it's a different story with APD. I think you have a, a more trustworthy default rate number in front of you when you have APD, um, because with Master Score it's kind of you never really had a default rate number other than kind of a generic one that you were working towards. So right. it, it's different with a PD model. And that's why we built absolute PD, Bob, was to right. uh, get to an absolute measure of default rates rather than a score that could shift, as Amanda had mentioned before. Okay, so it, let me see if I got the answer correctly. Then we're not worried about taking the 
the, the probability default out of APD and that you're getting today and adjusting it by one and a half to two times. That's correct. Okay. Um, so I guess the good advice that you, you've already said it, and if anybody's listening, um, I think it sounds to me like they need that lessors who are providing you the data need to get on top of their systems ASAP to record accurately which ones are in restructure uh, and deferrals and otherwise they will show as delinquent. So I think that's a good bit of advice. Is that fair to say? That's, yeah, that's right, Bob. That sounds right. Uh, next question. Um, explain the frequency of updates of the credit information in a credit reporting database. And I don't think that, I don't think he means by uh, every month new credit data comes in because everybody's reporting the credit data. I think, you know, given the times we're living through, you know, how quickly are they, the, the whole scoring system reevaluated in normal? Is it every five years, three years? And is it changing today? Well, I'll, I'll comment real briefly on the uh, frequency, and then Amanda can give you a perspective on scoring model changes. Um, you know, obviously, everybody wants more information faster now, and uh, we're finding that from a lot of fronts. And so we're actually looking at the data in our indices uh, much more frequently on a weekly basis now and, and doing previews and preliminary estimates to provide more insights into industries, states, equipment types that are being impacted more than others. And so that's work that's going on right now and is ongoing for us, but uh, we should have some pretty interesting, more uh, kind of uh, higher velocity of information that's available sooner uh, as we get through that. Um, as far as updating your scoring models, Amanda, do you have any points of view on that you could share? Uh, sure. So uh, we will not be changing the, the model behind Master Score V2. Um, that will, the model will remain what it is. Of course, the inputs that are coming in are certainly fluctuating a bit right now. So the, the score will be going down and doing all sorts of fun things. Um, but the model itself is, is going to stay the same. Um, you can't really uh, build a model in the situation you're in right now, uh, you kind of have to wait until the situation's over and then build the model on the situation. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's how uh, model building uh, works. Um, but uh, we're, we're kind of, you know, taking an insight. And I think the big thing to do right now with scores is not to try to scramble to build a new model because you don't know what's gonna happen until it, until it happens. Uh, but uh, to just make sure you're adjusting, if you're using thresholds, that you're moving them, um, that you're staying on top of the trends. Um, you know, it's important for anybody who's not already monitoring what they're bringing in and, and how their portfolio scores are trending. This is a really good time to start doing it. So you can stay on top of the trends for your own portfolio. Um, if you're not already looking at Paynet's indices every month, this is a good time to start. Stay on top of the trends. Um, and kind of react uh, based on that. And then once this is all over, hopefully we can build a new score that will um, take in the situation and do something really cool with it. Okay, so again, you, you mentioned something up and teed another question uh, relative to industries. Um, 
are you already seeing, are you able to see what type of businesses are having industries are having the least amount of impact or asset categories not having, having the least amount of impact or is it too soon? No, we're, our, uh, our indices are already starting to register the, um, the financial stress that's occurring and uh, it's registering in different industries differently. And certainly uh, we can see certain segments like transportation obviously tends to get hit harder in you know, economic downturns for obvious reasons. Um, interestingly, construction seems to be holding up better than what we had anticipated. Um, and um, I think what's also interesting is some of the uh, industries that can adapt digitally. For example, you know, the work from home protocols that are in place um, you can, we've heard stories and anecdotally that productivity has actually gone up because uh, people can now kind of literally work a lot more hours in a day and uh, meetings can be held just sequentially using video type uh, services quickly. So uh, industries that are related to that, like professional services tend to hold up better. Um, uh, we know that the healthcare industry obviously is receiving a big influx of capital and interest right now. Um, so, no, there's a shifting of industry performance, Bob, that's occurring right now. And uh, I refer everybody to sbinsights.net, which is our website that provides these industries at the uh, granular level and even industries by state to help understand the geographic regions as well. The uh, U.S. economy is huge and it performs differently in different geographic regions where uh, industries are much more prevalent uh, in like say the Midwest for farming versus the uh, Southeast for transportation. And for those that don't know, where do you find, it's it called SB Insights? Yes, it's www.sbinsights.net. Thank you. Um, we're kind of coming to the end of our, our session, Bill and Amanda. Is there anything else? I mean, I have, I've asked a number of questions, but is there a question you think I haven't asked that you probably would let us want us to know something about or we should be aware of? Yeah, I think that uh, in these times like now, there's, you know, a, a lot of frantic activity and if we keep a cool head and, you know, uh, we can rely on these forecasts and these tools uh, to, forecast what's going to happen. And so we're seeing quite a bit of interest in running these different scenarios and understanding what the possibilities are. And so I just encourage, uh, we've seen a lot of interest in, you know, hey, stress my portfolio and let me know what's happening or what could happen uh, given the kind of makeup of my portfolio. So I encourage people to take a look at that because I just think that it's a very complicated topic, very complicated situation, and uh, there's a lot of moving parts. And so there's uh, the being able to kind of orchestrate all that at once uh, can be can be very challenging. But that capability does exist, and encourage everybody to take a look at that and understand, or maybe just customize for their own book of business. Um, certainly, we've seen the loss provisions will shift, and uh, the those provisions will shift uh, again based on the composition of the industries that are make up those portfolios um, and uh, expected loss will be a kind of new big issue for a lot of folks as well. And so getting your arms around the, that, that concept will be uh, 
and, and how COVID is affecting, um, you know, essential use equipment and the asset values is a big uh, kind of unknown right now, but uh, one that I think we can kind of run scenarios and get a, get a view into at least what is possible. And so I think that's a, at least a way to start to get your arms around these uncertain times that are occurring for everyone. Um, so I would just encourage that uh, kind of planning uh, and it would really help you kind of address what's what's coming down the pike. Um, certainly, you know, everybody's talked about a V-shaped recovery or a U-shaped or a long U or a double double V or what have you. And, you know, I, it, what's possible there is beyond my kind of comprehension, but being able to, you know, look at what those different scenarios are, I think would really help, help folks uh, take away the fear and, uh, start to be rational about how we how do we address this these current conditions well that's i mean that's very 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 helpful and everything we covered i think is very helpful hopefully you and amanda will be open to maybe a second go at this if there if this podcast generates a lot of questions that we haven't covered uh or we'll funnel some of those questions to you but uh in any event uh I'd like to turn it back to Rita uh, to close us out. And again, uh, bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And uh, you've done the industry a great service. Rita. Thanks so much, Bob. And Bill and Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today for this special edition of Monitor's podcast series. Um, and thanks once again to our sponsor, IDS. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. You too.